Welcome back to another episode of Gondwana Records Podcast. My name is Mari, and I'm sitting down with Matthew Halsall, a trumpeter, producer, and composer who is redefining spiritual jazz for the next generation. In our very first episode, my parents really loved music. We used to do a lot of car journeys on holidays, and we had in the car. This like suitcase full of cassettes of albums. Matthew shared from his childhood memories to his life-changing moments. I realized that Farrah Sanders also played on Alice Coltrane's Journey and Sachi Dananda album, which completely changed my life. In this episode, we focus on his vision as the founder of Gondwana Records. And we have a Q&A session at the end of the show, so please stay tuned. Now the label is 15 years old, and has your vision as a label boss or label founder, owner changed? I still really enjoy putting out records by local artists. I think that's important because I think the north of England is quite a hard place to develop a career.、Um, it's got better, but there's not as many opportunities unless you go to London. But then I think that London can really suffocate you financially,、uh, creatively, because it's sink or swim sort of. And you have to earn money, so you end up doing loads of gigs you don't want to do. And but I think there's incredible musicians in all parts of the world. But yeah, my heart is still very much like working with local artists. So recently, Jasmine Myra and、um, uh, some incredible rising young artists that I will reveal very soon、uh, to the record label. There's two more、uh, bands from Leeds and Manchester. And、um, yeah, it, but I, I also love working with international artists like Han Yurani is incredible, and、uh, Fisonics from LA,、um, Dwight Trouble from LA. It's been great. Both things. I think it's just about feeling connections through music and and、uh, celebrating them.
run a label and you're a band leader and you make your own music and you're very busy. What is your normal day like? How do you use your 24 hours? <laughs> That has been a constant evolving and shifting thing. I'm definitely a, a person that can only deal with one thing. I'm all in or not at all, like with everything I do. So if it's、um, working with an artist and recording their album for the three days I'm recording with them, it's complete and utter dedication to that. But then I have to find the time to also do my really important stuff for myself, my self care, my trumpet practice and exercise and things like that. So it tends to be at its busiest, I'll do practice really early in the morning and after I've finished everything else in the evening. And the same with composing, at two times I compose the most. In the middle of the day is very much a mixture of AR, record label meetings, and touring, things like that. <laughs>、uh, lots of time in the studio, of course, with both my band and, and all the artists. I, I really like recording and producing. Even for my own music, I just enjoy. That kind of pro creative process of how you can capture sounds and, and personalities and all sorts of things through the recording studio process. Is your happy place outside of music? It's basically in Anglesey in North Wales. I've been thinking a lot about moving there. My girlfriend and my dog and me, and I'm sure my cat, when he eventually gets to go, will feel the same. It's, it's one of the most beautiful parts of the world. I've travelled a lot, luckily, through music, but The place that I feel the most calm, the most inspired, and happy is basically Anglesey.、Um, so, <laughs> apart from in, when I'm making music in the studio, obviously. And when I'm making music, I'm always thinking of that feeling. Do you enjoy the most about music? Composing or performing live or being in the studio for other musicians or digging? Which part of music makes you happy? It's really nice to spend a lot of time in the studio with musicians and, and to record and hear ideas develop. And,、um, but it's also 
really nice to then be able to celebrate those recordings and travel uh, the world uh, with those musicians and play in front of audiences uh, that really enjoy what we've made. Uh, that is a special thing. Sharing is is really important. And um, I think when you make the type of music I make and the feedback I've had is really been that it's helped people have a better feeling about life, like a kind of well-being and healing sort of thing. Because music, when I'm making it, is, is often a therapy and a kind of a process of calm uh, escapism and things uh, I try to try to be in a really beautiful happy state when I'm making music and uh, and, and dream up beautiful sounds and environments so naturally when I meet people uh, at concerts they feel in a very happy place because the thing that's made me happy is then been shared with them and made them happy so so I think all of them are important I don't think there's one thing that I would say outweighs the other I don't know why you would maybe make music and not want to share it in a way if it feels special to you and it has a healing quality I think it it needs to you know people need that in their lives uh, like I need beautiful things that other people have created. is your vision in 15 years time it's been 15 years with the label what do you see in 15 years time or what do you want to see a really good question I guess that it would be nice to find lots more amazing musicians to support and to watch them grow uh, as well as really work hard at my own career I, feel, I still feel Every time I make a record, that it's a huge learning process, and and that uh, I feel better equipped to make the next record every time I go through that journey. So I make lots more records, and maybe maybe I will live in Anglesey eventually. That's a nice dream. I'd like to build a house, beautiful architectural house with really nice light and. Uh, with good sustainable energy system, solar and kind of heat storage and water storage and all of that. My mum is obsessed with things like grand designs and stuff and and it's been in my childhood. So I think it's always been there watching things like that. But but with the record label, I just, I hope we can grow and, and even not just about signing new artists but watch the artists that we've got on the roster who I care about a lot watch them develop and, and have a more stable career it's really important that they can continue to 
be artists, but also feel comfortable to break out of and make records that are brave and dangerous and, you know, whatever they want to do. And I think that comes from development and security financially. And um, so all of those things really matter to me. I have a lovely questions from your fans. So now it's the time for Q&A. There's so many questions, but I picked a few. Okay, the question from Ian. Gondwana artists seem to have a similar vibe to their music. What signs or feelings do you look for in yourself and listening to other artists from the position of label head? Well, I guess I'm, I'm in a rather lucky position that um, I've been through the process as an artist and I know how the journey begins and how it evolves and what artists need um, because I, I found it very difficult at the beginning and I think that you look for kindred spirits always I'm not looking to make big hip pop records and looking to create a nice community and happy place for people to come and discover music uh, that I love but also that other artists on the record label love because I think you all need to respect and enjoy being part of a bigger thing and it always the saying greater than the sum of its parts is without the artist it's not a record label without the team behind that it's not a record label so it's not just me sat here every day there's a lot of people involved that do really good jobs but from an artist's perspective I have to feel moved uh, emotionally or like energised or it's like DJ when you're buying records listen to records within 10 to 30 seconds I know whether I like a record or an artist or not literally because the the intention is there from the beginning like um, because I've been buying records since I was like 13 14 and I've been listening to records from my family and friend parents friends collections since I was god I can't even remember just so young I've always known that needle drop feeling of whether I like it or not and I think that that is the most important thing that immediate reaction and connection and I've been talking a lot actually recently about the difference between a musician and an artist and I, the more I think about this I actually think that uh, a musician that is an artist if you like is quite similar to a painter or impressionist artist. They should be able to create a whole world and an atmosphere and have a freedom to be able to take you to a, a 
place a special place and i think good artists have have that in every sense so they they can musically you can feel incredible waves of emotion and go on a journey with with an artist musically by the same token their photos and their videos really show a complete creative human being um, and also when they perform live how they express themselves the emotion on stage and all of those things the best artists I've ever worked with have that and that's you know when I see that and it's an artist that hasn't been recognized it's the most incredible feeling in the world uh, when you know there's an opportunity to help someone that has all these special talent and traits which I believe that pretty much all the artists on the record label have amazing next question is from Jason what risk do you remember taking at the beginning of the label well the thousand pounds that I had the hard earned money I made at Ticketmaster took a gamble and obviously things like distribution you have to trust people to distribute the music the PR companies and I think they're the things you can't ever think of running a record label as I want to earn this amount of money every year and I want to have this car and this house if you start thinking like that it's a soulless shell of a record label so I've never ever been interested in making money in that sense I'm really happy if it comes as a byproduct of genuine talent and, and love and appreciation of each other's skills you have to stand by artists even through the tough times as well and continue to keep the faith and belief in what they're doing because some artists it's not immediate like the debut might lose money or break even but by album three you know I'm still determined and want to invest hard on them as a artist and and that's you know a lot of financial risk for the record label but I care about the records and the music so much that I'm prepared to lose tens of thousands to support these artists. So that's the risk. <laughs> There's a question from Stan about one of your tunes. Song for Charlie is one of my favorite compositions. Immediately makes me want to trust it. Tell me about the creation of the Song for Charlie. Yeah, 
that's an old tune, it's on the On The Go album. And um, at this period, I was obsessed with this idea of Paris in the sort of 60s, 50s, 60s, when all the American jazz artists went. And I was watching films like um, Dexter Gordon in Round Midnight and things like that. Lift to the Scaffold by Miles Davis was obviously hugely important and, and a lot of the John Luke Goddard films of that era, black and white. So I had in my head this this vision, which often is the case when I'm making albums. I, I pick a place and a, and, a, and a feeling and a vision and I imagined being a musician in 1960 Paris <laughs> and uh, that whole album is like inspired by Art Blakey being there, Miles Davis being there, Dexter Gordon, Chet Baker and um, with that particular track I remember reading a studying a piano book that had all the beautiful voicings of famous piano players from this era in particular and I found some chords and voicings of chords from Duke Ellington that was so beautiful like when I put my hands on the piano and played this sort of six to seven notes um, it made me feel immediately a deep emotion and and, uh, and a kind of feeling that uh, even now it makes me uh, immediately think of a, a deep feeling of sort of not necessarily sadness but emotion when I played it with the band it was I was right on the edge emotionally uh, and it was beautiful to be in that place through music but it reminded me of when I how I felt when my granddad my dad's dad who was called Charlie who was the nicest kindest person I've ever met in my in my entire journey so far um it reminded me of how I felt when he passed away like a deep sort of emotional sorrow I guess so yeah that tune I felt was appropriately dedicated to the feelings uh, uh, had and the love I had for my my granddad Charles uh, Charlie. I also have a cat called Charlie, um, which, uh, funny enough, a lot of people think that that song's about that, or they think it's about Charlie Parker or someone. But I'm happy for it to be about all of those people and and creatures. But it, it's um, much more for for my granddad. The Stan who loves strong song for Charlie is waiting for you in America. Yeah, we need to go and play in America. I've only done one gig in Rochester Jazz Festival uh, quite a long time ago now. So, so I hope we will see you in America. The last question from Bryony. Which artist or track do you listen to when you want to feel inspired? It's a, it's a really good question and probably changes every time I make music. I have playlists on on different streaming platforms that I listen to in the car and being a DJ I'm quite 
geeky about putting things into folders and different playlists, so I have like, I don't know, even in the jazz thing, I think I have about 16 different folders of different types of jazz, things like West African and kind of African disco music and electronic music and so uh, I guess it depends on 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 this new album I definitely listen to a lot of West African music because I was playing kalimba a lot of percussive things because I absolutely love percussion over the last five years I've become more and more influenced by percussionists and and the kind of textures and the kind of sound world that they create. So I listen to a lot of music with kind of percussive elements and very primitive and simple, beautiful instruments like kalimbas and mbiras and marimbas and xylophones and glockenspiels. I like things like that. But I guess Cinematic Orchestra's Everyday Album, I always go back to... Um, and Alice Coltrane's Journey in Sachin and Andra, I go back to quite a lot of Miles Davis records. Um, so there's ones that keep pulling me back in, even though they're like between 20 and I don't know how 60 years old. Um, so they obviously have a special place. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's been lovely hearing all your amazing stories about you and the music and art and culture. No worries, pleasure. Gondwana Records Podcast. Coming up in episode three and four, we are going to deep dive into Matthew Hosel's latest album, An Ever Changing View. He's going to demonstrate some of his custom made instruments and share his experience in making of this beautiful album. Thank you for listening and see you on the other side.